this might sound harsh, but don't be so selfish to sit on your okay. words and your story that you're going to hold that back from the rest of the world because you don't know what to do with it. Because we know yeah. what to do with it. But don't you hold that to yourself unless there's a privacy concern. Don't let fear deprive the rest of us from a really good book. Hello there, my fellow sophisticated creatives. Welcome to JCV Art Studio from the dressing room. Warning, Ozzy is in the studio with me and the neighbor two houses down has decided, I guess, New Year's resolution to fix his garage. So I'm hoping we won't be interrupted by the little fur ball. This is episode one of season two. Can you believe it? Season two. Oh, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm flabbergasted. So happy new year to everyone. 2020 is behind us. It is 2021, new goals, new outlook. It's just, it's 2021. So I looked back at my goals for 2020 and I, I smiled because believe it or not, my number one goal in 2020 and I kind of set lofty goals, was that Benedict Cumberbatch would contact me and ask me to illustrate his portrait. <laughs> yeah, well, that didn't happen. Uh, nowhere um, in my 2020 goals was, was it listed that I was going to start a podcast. And this has been such a fulfilling uh, venture for me. And I'm, I'm just over the moon that I am starting season two. So, thinking 2021, first guest, new year, 2020 is behind us. I'm really excited to have this entrepreneur on JCB Art Studio. Before we started recording, she was giving me some marketing advice, which was just fantastic. It just shows the type of person this lady is. She is one of three women who were instrumental in me getting my manuscript published. And um, that really means a tremendous amount to me. She has been in the top five for the BC Business Awards. She has written her own memoir, which is a beautiful award-winning love story. She has flown to Los Angeles to meet with Hollywood executives to have it optioned into a movie. Writers who have self-published with her have seen their books optioned for movies. Her self-published authors have been written about in U.S. trade magazines, and she has been featured on global TV, as well as in I Like Her Style magazine. And, of course, you guys know I used to be a personal trainer. I was, I, I, I couldn't help but I have to mention this. She was on the cover of North Van Run Magazine. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to us from Vancouver, the CEO behind the self-publishing agency, Megan Williams. Megan, welcome. Well, Joe, I have to say after that introduction, I should meet the person you just finished speaking about. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me and happy new year. 
Thank you. Thank you. You too. So let's get right into this. Um, can you tell our listeners why and when you started the self-publishing agency? Um, well, yeah, let's get into it. I think um, I'm not a whole lot different from what other uh, business startups or other entrepreneurs are doing is that when they see a void in the marketplace for something or a need in the marketplace for something that doesn't exist, um, some of us go ahead and start creating the thing that didn't exist. Um, for myself, I started uh, writing my own memoir back in 2012. Um, I was never planning on being a writer. It just kind of, it was something that evolved for me and inevitably just decided that this particular story needed to be put into a book where it could last forever. And while I had the determination and the motivation to write, I also didn't know anything about the publishing industry outside of what I have seen in the movies. And of course, in the movies, uh, the publishing industry is you write a book and then a publisher gives you a million dollars and you finish writing the rest of your book series outside of at a cabin on a lake somewhere and it's very romantic and you don't really know what happened after that. So that was my only um, understanding of like what could possibly happen in the publishing industry. I had no idea of the detail or what was required of a professionally published book. And as I started, I honestly, I spent probably a year speaking to anybody who um, could answer any questions. I called different self-publishing companies that were um, kind of all-inclusive resorts where I would have to sign with them to get everything, um, even if I didn't necessarily prefer their services or, you know, they, there wasn't a whole lot of free-flowing information or answers that I could get. And I ultimately was just looking for a one-stop shop where I could just call someone and have someone give me the answers on what I, I needed for my book in particular and how to not only produce it, but how to publish it and then further to market it. But, um, you know, after a year of research and I had countless hours and phone calls later to anybody who would talk about publishing with me, I realized that there wasn't a one-stop shop and this might be an opportunity to create one. So it, it wasn't until several years later and a few workshops and um, keynotes later that I realized that p perhaps what I had learned in my self-publishing journey could probably help other people. So it was a slow transition from writing my book, marketing it. It did pretty well. The province newspaper called it a national bestseller. I don't think there's any statistics to support that. But, you know, as we've learned anything from the last four years, if it's in the media, it's got to be true. Right, Joe? So, <laughs> um, so I walk around with that title, which is unfounded by any kind of supporting evidence, but that's fine. Um, and... Then um, a couple of years later, you know, I was after talking about my book and then being able to replicate that same level of success with my stepdaughter. She and I wrote a children's book. I started getting asked to do a lot of have a lot of coffee dates with people who could just sort of pick your brain for how to um, how to, how they could publish their book with the same level of professionalism and success. And ultimately, we just decided I figured it was time there was enough coffees happening and enough workshops being given that it was time to put a business model together and see how we could start helping more and more authors um, achieve success with their own writing so 
that is the background to the self-publishing agency. We've been in business for almost four years now. And I think this year we're getting pretty close to having helped 300 something authors um, in varying degrees of support. And tons of really interesting stories come through our doors. So I'm, uh, I love, I mean, this is a great line of work to be in, especially in an era of people who are looking to be more self-made, self-sufficient and do it, do projects the way they want to do it themselves um, versus having somebody else just tell them this is what sells nothing else. Well, here's the rules. Don't play, you know, you got to play by this book. So it's been, it's been wonderful. 300 authors. Wow. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. Wow. See, and I used to write and I was trying the trades um, in early 2000s. And it was just, it was at the same time I was a personal trainer and I thought I'm going to give the writing a little bit of a break. And it, you know, that break, that's when self-publishing started to gain um, the name of like, you know, a different name. They, you were no longer a self-published author. You were an indie author. And it was, it started to gain the respectability, which I think it always deserved. Yeah. And I, I think when I published back in 2014, mm-hmm. it was still, people were still like, honestly, there's still a lot of like old school thinkers out there who refer to self-publishing as vanity publishing. That was like the old mentality. It was the thought of like, if you couldn't get a trade published, uh, tra- trade publisher, like a Harper Collins or Penguin Random House to publish your book, you had to default to self-publishing. Whereas I think we've seen a little bit of shift in that men- at that perspective and mentality as you experience with your book, that it's less of a default decision for people and more of um, an empowering decision for people because um, so often people, one, like they have their own audiences online now. They have their own opportunities that they don't necessarily want to play by recommendations from a trade or have somebody take their royalties when they've put in all of the work. So self-publishing has kind of taken a new um, a new angle, I find. Um, so long as a book or a publication is professionally mm-hmm. done, I think we aren't... Um, mm-hmm. We aren't, I, I think books still continue to do well. And some of our authors we know do even better than some books published by the trades. Because if you lead with quality first, I think mm-hmm. the goal should always be that it's indistinguishable from mm-hmm. a trade book versus a self-published book. Right, right. And mm-hmm. I have had trade published and self-published on this podcast. And they're mm-hmm. all great stories. And um, Alice Bianna was on uh, about two weeks ago and I told her, I said, it would have been a shame if her story, her mystery never got published because it was a, it's a good book. Yeah. Okay. So let's say, sorry, were you going to say Oh something? no, I was just going to say that's a, it's an excellent point. Like even like a book like yours, same thing, right? Like who's to say that your book doesn't deserve, like there should be no gatekeeper. There, there should be a like yeah. a level of standard, but in my opinion, that like everybody's story, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, everybody's entitled to be able to share their own story and write their own book. So there shouldn't be anybody saying you don't deserve that. And if anyone is saying that, then they're probably not the right organization for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, okay, um, let's say I'm a beginning, uh, I don't wanna say, I'm a writer. I have my manuscript. I've had it professionally edited and I have no clue how to self-publish. Could you explain to our listeners um, the, the services that the, the self-publishing agency offers? Sure. Um, but I mean, thank you for asking this show. Cause I have to say like in the different interviews and different podcasts I've done over the years, it's, we, it's, it's a lot of like theoretical conversation, mm-hmm. but I have to say how much I appreciate the, like the ask on like, let's tell our listeners or your listeners how like the actual work mm-hmm. unfolds. Right. So I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Um, so I would say the best, like on a high level, the best way to somebody who's like who has an edited book or even has just written their book but it does need some editing um the best way of describing high level of what the self-publishing agency does is that we're like a wedding planner to somebody who's just been engaged so for example if you get engaged and you're busy and it's not in your wheelhouse to do tons of planning for your wedding you hire a wedding planner you hire a photographer you hire um, somebody you work with a venue, et cetera, et cetera. That's mm-hmm. similar to how we work with our writers. So depending mm-hmm. on the, lo- the, um, the manuscript or the state of it, they can come to us um, as your, you did with a professionally edited manuscript. And from there, we help you assemble the rest of the team. Um, you're, you, Joe, specifically are a bit of a different scenario because you're a bit of a triple threat where you had it edited and you were capable of designing the cover and the book's interior. But, um, but what we want other authors to do is that we want authors to come to us when they are good at what they are doing. They're good at telling their story. And then we can help add people to the team that they want. Um, to help them bring that story to market. So be that cover design, be that professional mm-hmm. interior book design, um, mm-hmm. and also like marketing support. So we um, we have packages that allow the self-publishing agency to help manage the project in varying degrees of hands-on services. Um, some authors come to us and say, I only need a couple of hours of support from you guys. Other people say, come to us who are lawyers and are, you know, running their own businesses, like I have no interest in learning how to publish the book. I just want somebody to do the work for us. So we have services that help people with that. And ultimately, we are just bringing the people into the fold that the author can choose. We have a list of preferred editors and designers that are all professional in the publishing world. And they help authors, um, make those decisions so for example like a children's book author we shouldn't we should not be telling an author this is who should illustrate your book we want authors to be able to choose who their illustrator is so we share our list with them and we have a conversation about who we feel will help deliver their message the best and then we as we move down the publishing line of things we help them with the marketing strategy getting into retailers and bookstores Uh, getting into media and those types of conversations so the idea is that we are a one-stop shop but I think the best way of um, describing the quality of services is that while we're a one-stop shop we are not like a Mexico all-inclusive resort we'd probably be more like a four seasons where you can arrive and you can feel comfortable and cared for but you don't have to do everything that we say you also don't have to you're going to pay for what you get with us so you don't have to eat at the buffet every night. 
I like that. That's a great, great <laughs> that's great. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like you have, uh, I don't want to say a package, but a service or a package for varying budgets. Yes, yeah, that's the idea. It's, um, we want publishing to be, we want professional publishing to be accessible for everybody. So whether it's our course where something is self-paced for an author and they can um, learn the reins themselves, or they want a hundred percent hands-on service from now until after launch, we can do that. But yes, we do have stuff that serves every budget, but also um, every need because some authors don't need um you know, unlimited time with us. They might only need a couple of hours, like I said. So um, services to support authors at every budget, but also at every um, level of need as well. So. Okay, good. good. See, and I remember um, when I, the services, some of the services I used with the self-publishing agency, it was planning the book launch. And uh, I I remember you, one of the first questions you said there, it was um, through like a, a, not a Zoom, but a, a, a link. And there was someone else besides my, there were like four of us. Yeah. And one of the first questions you said, it was pick a launch date. And then we worked backwards. And it was amazing because by picking that launch date, it um, it made it real. And it was like, oh God. <laughs> Right. So it was, it was good. And I, I, I'm still thinking that, okay, you pick a launch date and now you have to plan how you're going to pace yourself to, you know, get the printing done, get the editing done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the marketing. And we want to always, and yeah. just like that, we always want to like have a work back calendar ultimately. So some people are coming to us to be like, I have to launch like, for example, with your book, we like the dream was to have your book available on your mom's birthday or sorry, on the anniversary of your mom. Yeah. Right. And um, yeah. what we wanted to. But from there, like that was a realistic timeline where some authors are like, I need to have this book launched in two months. And that's not impossible to do. But our job is to one is to limit the amount of stress that authors have. But also we want if if we are playing in the field of professional publishing, we don't want to cut any corners. So um, we do make recommendations on those launch timelines because um, sometimes they're too short for a book to be professionally published. And sometimes an author's like, well, I could probably publish in July, but that's where we step in and our, and from what we understand of what happens in the industry, launching a book in July isn't necessarily the greatest decision because for example, like everyone's on vacation in July. So if you wanted to actually have a launch party or have attention come to your book, it, July is a pretty hard time to do that because people are thinking about like travel. They're thinking about being away with their families and it's just a little bit busier socially than um, throughout the year. The same reason that we wouldn't okay. suggest Another suggestion is like some people are like, oh, I'd love to have this book, like a business book launched before Christmas, because that's where pe like our mindset goes to oh, people buy books for Christmas. But the reality is, is that um, in the marketplace, November, December is when those big publishing housing houses um, push out their very popular memoirs. So for example, if you're putting out your 
uh, business book, but it's in the same, like, it's you're up against, like, Obama and any other actor's memoirs that are going out to market on in November and December. That might not be the best time to get the most amount of attention for your book. So we want to work with authors of, around that type of strategy because we we're, we see the calendar year and we understand when different books are being launched and when different genres do really well. So those are some kind of the, of the conversations that we want to have with authors. But as you know, as we experienced in your case, yours was perfect because it had a sentimental value to it. It was right before summertime and um, and you did pretty well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, and and thank you for remembering that. I remember I remember our discussion. Thank you for remembering that. Yeah, the the, the reason why I wanted it in June. Oh thank well, you. you. I mean that that's a it's, that's a great like that goes to show like good marketing, right? If you center something around, or if you yeah. anchor a launch around something that means either something to you or something to a community, it's a lot easier to remember than just a you know a midday in April if it has no um, meaning behind it. So. Right. So your staff, um, you, you, I don't need, you know, I don't want you to be spilling out names or anything, but, and I don't want to say, I think of your, as more of a team, mm-hmm. what sort of individuals, um, like you said, professional, um, graphic designers, editors, you have all yeah. that. So hey? we've got everything. So every author that comes through our doors, um, for project management and coaching and support. They're kind of getting touch points from at least three to four different teammates of ours. So they're getting project management from our project our manager. They're getting marketing and author branding support from Anna who does that um, area of the business. And they're likely getting support um, from uh, our digital strategist who works with them on the Amazon strategies of the work. And of course with myself who loves, I. You know, my favorite thing to do is work with authors on the creative and the marketing strategy. So um, there's at least four people minimum that they're getting that an author is getting uh, work with. And then anybody else they decide to add on to their team, such as a designer, such as a web developer, if they needed that um, or an editor, graphic designer, et cetera. So. That you can be, you know, you can have a team as small as four people with us, or you can have a team as big as seven to eight people, depending on what an author needs. But like, you know, like we mentioned earlier, you, for example, already had an editor and you had your book designed, so you're not going to need any TSPA designers or um, or an editor to on that team, right? So, your team is 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 phenomenal. Um, I've had. I've had the pleasure of working with, uh, you know, a couple, a few of you, you know, with your designers, your editors, and, you know, it's, they made me feel okay asking some of, I'm going to say it, some of the silly questions of, okay, if I do this, right? Well, I think, well, we've made it a real, it's been a practice of ours. So we, the people that we hire, especially in like on the support team, so like manager digital strategist author branding these are people who like came from outside the publishing industry so everybody has a different level of perspective our designers and editors of course are like professional in the book publishing world of things but um we've made it a best our best practice to not just hire for people who have experience in the business but to hire people who are like just best people for the job 
And it's, and what we want and what's evolved is that everybody on our team, um, whether it's your four people or it's your eight people is we're just motivated by other people's success. So if we can make authors look good, we ultimately look good. So it's a little bit of a selfish endeavor for all of us, because if, if an author like you, for example, in the Canadian book club awards, um, does really well like that make that in turn makes us look really good so we're constantly motivated to make our authors look great so that's kind of how we hire people we're like do you like making other people look good and if the answer is yes then great you're make it to the next round so (laughs) um so i've been on your instagram page and uh, i'm looking at all the the different authors has there been a genre of book the self-publishing agency hasn't published. Like, I mean, I see poetry, I see sci-fi, I see murders. I not murders, yeah. I mean, like murder mysteries. Um, I we've done anything. I don't think we've done sci-fi yet. Um, I'm trying to think. There isn't anything that jumps at. There's a couple like subgenres that we haven't touched on, but you know, subgenres can be narrowed down and narrowed down, but. No, there isn't a genre that we haven't been able to touch because um, the idea is, is that like some of the way we work with authors is so tailored that it doesn't, we don't need to, um, that we, it's so one-on-one with authors that we're not too worried about like just becoming experts at one genre. There's other companies that can do that, but um, our, our work is sort of, I, I find that there's a lot of value when authors can interact with other authors from different, there's like cross genre communication because we have this whole community online with our authors, as you know, on our Facebook groups, our authors really support one another. And there, it allows us to like, it allows you as a mystery writer to like have conversations with a memoir author and just because you're in different genres doesn't mean that you can't learn from what the other person is going through and learn like, what did you, yeah. what did you, when you went to chapters, what were they telling you for this type of, like for your book or where have they placed your book? So those are types of conversations that to me, um, it, there's a lot more value if you have a community of multi-genre authors communicating and a team who works in multi-genre, because that way you can just sort of pick up different um pieces of information that benefit different audiences and different authors right yeah and um talk about support i have mama marcia's she used the professional services yeah and yeah you've had marcia you've had lisa on your podcast it's been fantastic i love listening to their Mm -hmm. interviews well, I made Mama Marcia's tiramisu. Oh, <laughs> and that, that's a perfect example, right? So we've got a cookbook author, we've got an award-winning memoir author, we've got you as a mystery author, and and how good were those conversations, right? It all comes down to it's it's writing and it's following that passion and just what the story you want to put out. And yeah, yeah, okay. So I've also heard, uh, you know, I, I keep hearing about audiobooks. And uh, they that they have their percentage of the book publishing industry. They're like, if you think of the book publishing as a pie. Um, and so you have like, let's say, oh, I was awful at geometry. Let's say one section of, let's think of like um, that game where you have the yeah, little pie yeah. pieces. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so yeah, ebooks is one little, little pie piece. 
uh, audiobooks, another pie piece. Um, do you feel that audiobooks will be um, taking more more chunk of the pie? Um, and also, does does the self publishing agency produce audio? Uh, great question. I feel like I feel like whatever I say in this conversation, there's a big chance it will change in nine months from now when I when the market changes again. There's a few things about audiobooks that we've noticed in the past while. And um, one, we know that audiobooks are like less purchased in Canada than they are in the US. Um, but I've also, one thing that we've been talking about as a team is that when authors come to us asking about, do we have any support or links or resources to share about like producing audiobooks? Cause we don't produce that in-house. Um, is that also what I think has happened is, is that COVID has also shifted how people listen to audio, like about audio in general, because um, people are commuting less now. So we have less time in the car, we have less time in transit, and therefore we are listening a little bit less to, I think our patterns have changed again in, in how we take in information. Um, but the other thing is that um, where we stand is we're not we're never discouraging anybody from producing an audiobook, but we are asking people to consider why they want to have an audiobook. The first thing that we hear authors saying is, is that, well, I want to have my book available in more places, which is totally valid and it makes a lot of sense. However, audiobooks can be quite expensive to produce. It can be anywhere from I think you could probably safely assume that you're going to be in it for about three to five grand minimum. Um, but my feeling is, is that when you have, so you have now a paperback book, you've most likely got your ebook available. And when you go and start um, producing an audiobook, what we find is, is that once we start talking to authors about why, why do they want that audiobook? What ends up happening is that we kind of narrow it down is that idea of having your book in more places, but that ultimately that onus is on the author to have to market just another avenue of where to buy their book. So it's still marketing your book that has to be done at the end of that. Um, after you finish recording your audiobook, you still have to market it. And that part can start to feel like, okay, so now you've got three different books that you're marketing and trying to direct traffic to. So one of the conversations that we're having as a team and we're strategizing with our authors for 2021 is to maybe if they're considering putting money into anything is actually to consider putting a pin in the audiobook opportunity and rather recognizing that it's less about um, having more books more types of books available in more places but also that like that people buy authors they don't buy books you know, we can stumble across a book, but it's mostly, it's, if you think about like the Brene Browns of the world, we buy, we buy her books because we want to hear more of her. People are going to buy um, The Unraveling because they have heard you speak now. If they stumble across it in the synopsis, it intrigues them, fantastic. But what we, instead of having just an author record another version of their book, we're now sort of nudging authors to be like, how can we get authors in front of audiences to talk about their story? And how can we get them um, having more conversations where people get to know that author and the backgrounds to their book so that people can go and buy their book in one way or another? That's great advice. Yeah. 
And see, for me, when you're mentioning about the cost of the audiobook, I'm now thinking, okay, you now have to do the marketing to make up for your investment that you've just put in. Exactly. For this audio. And you know, book. our author, yeah, our, and our authors right. do really well in terms of sales. Like most of our authors are making back their investment within the first year at least. But when you add on another $5,000 ticket to that, um, you know, it starts to get expensive. And that's like, that's more money that your marketing has to, um, that your marketing has to try and sell, as you said. So rather, we what we do with our authors in our author branding session, we have our first author um, speaker training series being run this month. Um, it's the idea of like, how can we get our authors on stages? How, when our authors get interviewed on podcasts, can they tell their story in such a compelling way that now people want to hear more of that? And then they go and buy that book. So the investment now shifts from making one more version of your book to now the investment being, can we make the author more available to people? Can we make them more heard by other people? Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm scribbling <laughs> notes, Megan. You know me. We've had a conversation and I held up my notepad and you were like, yeah, oh my God, we said that. <laughs> oh, okay. So you we're talking, you're mentioning about marketing. I The thing I like with self-publishing is I like I refer to it as book promotion, but I, the thing with self-publishing is you're not limited to like one run out of the gate with your promotion. And um, I, I look forward to the day when I can go back and run on the sandy beaches of Maui and see those waves. And that's how I see book promotion as, okay, you, your launch, that's your first wave of book promotion give it a few months, dies down. Let's say, look for an article that you can tie in with your book. I mean, I know what I did was um, <laughs> cannabis became legal um, yeah, when I took my yeah. break <laughs> from writing. So when, so when I was doing my rewrites, I had written that cannabis was illegal because one of my um, characters uh, really enjoyed cannabis. And I thought, okay, well, well, now we have to change that. So I found a a professional paralegal group and I pitched them the idea of the change in laws and how it I had to do this with my novel because cannabis became uh, legal so do, do you feel that there are do you feel that there are no restrictions when it comes to uh, book promotion I'm right there yeah I hear you I for indie authors especially or self-published authors I think there's like if an author has the hustle and the creativity to find those. the opportunities are limitless because you really aren't bound by a publisher's um, strategy for you. They like who is responsible ultimately for going out and, um, you know, putting your book in front of a couple of people. And so, for example, we know a couple of people who were published uh, by the trades in March their whole book marketing, the trade company's whole distribution strategy was airports and bookstores. Well, guess what closed in March? Airports and bookstores. So in terms of wiggle room and, you know, to use the very trendy 2020 word, uh, 
pivot, your opportunities to pivot and, you know, maneuver marketing strategies become infinitely more difficult when you are um, contractually bound to some, uh, somebody else's decision-making. And, um, but whereas indie authors, we just saw this huge acceleration for them this year, because if you think about how um, some of the really common language that we saw in 2020 was like shop local, support local businesses, that all is in the same bracket as support indie authors. So our strategies don't always, you know, we're getting, we continue to get better and we continue to follow the trends and therefore our authors benefit from that information. But as you've experienced, like you find, like we, we encourage authors to find new communities that, and I'm not talking writing communities, but like go where competition isn't. Um, one of our authors, like yeah. they've sold like close to $10,000 worth of books just, um, and that's like barely in bookstores. That's because they found like where, what retailers work really well for their books. Um, and that's not, and that's not bookstores. Okay. We've got some people like yourself, like if you link into yeah. like a crime writers association, that's not necessarily like, that's not, you know, mainstream necessarily, but it's people who are like drinking up what mm -hmm. you are producing. Right. So, so, so I think when it, going back to what mm -hmm. you were saying is indie authors, there's just so much opportunity and it's really helpful I think as you and I have often bantered back and forth is like if you can have a team who like gets really excited about book marketing and has seen different opportunities come up it's really fun to bounce those ideas around with one mm -hmm. another because you might you know something somebody else might plant a seed be like oh I actually never thought that like a gardening store might be the most appropriate place for my book about horoscopes, because when we think, for example, who shops at gardening shops, people who are looking to pick up flowers or to pick up things for the home, wouldn't it be nice if they could grab a gift or like a token of affection in, in a store where other books are not, for example? Yes. And for someone like me who really does not like shopping at all, if I'm one of those people where if I, if I go to once one store i hope it has just about everything there because i don't want to yeah. go from store to store to and store I think, I got exactly and i think i want to um, do you know i i do believe that like book i this is i do believe that like i mean all authors if they can if their book is professionally published enough and a bookstore wants to carry it i do believe that there's tremendous uh, reputational value to have your book available in a chapters in an indigo or a Barnes and Noble if you're in the state. There, I I think that's really important to get your book in those stores. But I we've seen that authors the the volume of sales that happen for authors the authors that are selling like five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars worth of books. It's actually not in chapters in indigo. They're in other locations that they've just figured out, like, where are the people, where is my demographic spending their time, not if they aren't going to a bookstore. So, yeah, lots of lots of opportunities for okay. authors there. It's just um, it's just finding the right team and the right conversations to help think of those. OK, OK. So without breaking any confidentiality, I understand one of your clients had her book optioned for a movie. Um, are you able to elaborate on any of that and the role that the self-publishing agency played? 
Yeah, um, we've actually had a few of our clients um, have their books optioned for screenplays. Um, and the role of the agencies, we're, we're lucky we've got some uh, producing partners that we work with both out of L.A. and here in Vancouver. And the role that we play is um, more of sort of a, it's a, it's a partnership in the way that they will have their meetings with, for example, Netflix or Lifetime or any of the other channels. And they'll send us a list of saying, this is what the, um, these platforms, this is the content that they're looking for right now. Do you have any authors with uh, content that might be a fit for this? And when we get those emails, we're able to pull together a list of, of books that we know have a level of quality of a, have a, and are meeting those standards and, um, and send them over. And we help facilitate that conversation between the producers and, um, and like, and the author ultimately. So it, it's pretty fun because, you know, we get a little bit of a, uh, the curtain gets pulled back a little bit on what, um, what the upcoming trends are in the film industry. And yeah. we love that these producers are thinking of us because, so often um, indie authors are sort of not thought of as like, oh, there might be some really good original content here. But uh, fortunately for our authors, that is an opportunity we're able to help provide. That's awesome. God, that's awesome. <laughs> wow. Wow. Way to go. Way yeah. to go. Now, the self-publishing agency also sponsors the Canadian Book Club Awards. And I am very proud that I was a finalist. Ah, oh, I am very proud of that. Um, that was a really big uh, year. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain the Canadian Book Club Awards for our listeners and authors who are out there? Yeah. So the um, Canadian the reason we we got behind the Canadian Book Club Awards is um, because it supports two different facets of the literary world. So the first being, of course, it's an opportunity for authors uh, with books to submit to the awards. So, you know, we know that book awards help provide uh, credibility and marketing opportunities for authors. That's fantastic. The second piece that we really like about these awards is that it's the only Reader's Choice Award in Canada, meaning that book clubs who make up, who are, you know, there's, I wouldn't venture to guess how many thousands of book clubs there are out there, official or unofficial in Canada, but book clubs now can register with the Canadian Book Club Awards, and they register in the genre that they would love, that their book club loves to read. And wow. so they get to now judge the three finalists in, every, in the category that they um, they have elected to judge in. And in exchange for receiving three copies of the books, Book clubs now will uh, rank their favorite books, and um, that ultimately is who becomes the winner of that year's book club awards. So um, the reason we really like this award is, again, for twofold, is because it not only supports authors, but it brings new titles to book clubs that they might not otherwise be getting. And um, Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I missed that last little bit. It brings new titles, did you say? For new book, book clubs registering with the Canadian Book Club Awards, they're getting exposure to books and um, that they might not have otherwise had the opportunity to read. So okay. um, yeah, so we, lo we love the awards. Um, 
you know, they're well run. And the other thing is, is they're really active on social media, which is we find to be helpful for authors because it, again, it's the more exposure authors can get, whether you're indie or trade published, um, the better, right? We want more authors to be seen. So are these now the Canadian Book Club Awards, are they open to um, self-published authors anywhere? So let's say if an, a self-published author, let's say self-published her book out of Alberta and didn't use the self-publishing agency, could they uh, like submit to be part of the, like, oh yeah. Submit? Okay. Yeah, we have, we have authors that, yeah, it's not, we are just sponsoring the awards. It has not, it's our, and just because a lot of TSPA authors submit because we're obviously in their ear about the opportunity. So they hear about it a lot faster than other authors might. But yeah, we have authors submitting titles from across Canada, from trade publishers uh, who have been trade published, authors who are submitting their books um, from the States. Um, it really is like there's no, there's no need to discriminate against who can submit their title um, because really it becomes about the quality of the book that uh, indicates whether it's worthy of winning or not. So, Okay. And so what's the deadline date? Um, we, we keep the, the awards have been kept open. I believe the submissions for 2020 are done. We're announcing our, the winners of the 2020 awards will be out in uh, probably by the time this podcast airs. And then, um, springtime is when, uh, the submissions start coming in for the 2021 awards. Okay. 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 Um, so I was in a chat with a writer's group. Oh, and before I forget, people, um, what I was amazed at when I entered the Canadian Book Club Awards, and I was so proud to be a finalist, and what I didn't realize is people who had read my novel, I just one day, you know, I got busy with something. And um, then one day I went on to Amazon to see how my book was doing and the reviews that were left by people who had read my novels um, who didn't even know me. Okay. Um, because of this award. And I was just, I was just flabbergasted and um, I thought, wow, you know, so a lot goes on behind the scenes, which, I had no clue and I, I just, I was very thankful. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I'll pass that on. I'm so glad to hear that, Joe. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just remember I was reading these reviews and I went, holy smokes. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know? not my sister. <laughs> <laughs> so not that I don't appreciate the, the love and support from the family, you know, it was just, yeah. It, it, no, it, and, yeah. yeah. Reviews are help exposure for authors and they help lend credibility to a publication. Right. So if we yeah. can help that happen for authors, then we're having a good day. Yeah. Yeah. So what I was going to mention was I was in a chat with a uh, writer's group. And like I said, I was the newbie in, in this chat because um, I'd been away from it for like 20 years away from the, the writing scene. And um, thank God the attitudes towards indie authors has changed. Yeah. And um, every author I've had on this podcast, whether it's traditional or indie, um, like I said, their novels have been excellent. And um, 
what blows me away is I still don't understand why the book publishing industry seems to be stuck in time. And I like the music industry, they are ahead of, I'd say, the book publishing industry. You hear of indie artists, and when you hear of an indie artist, you know, produce this, her, his or her album on their own, and everyone's like, wow, right? And like, look at, um, oh God, names are really escaping me. Okay, these last couple of months. We all, okay. like, we all know different versions of people, or like, as you said, musicians who have come out from an indie scene that were like, that are just phenomenal. Yeah, like, okay, so I'm going to do what my mom used to do to us, Megan. So the young girl, she has the black, black, black hair, sometimes with the green in it, and her brother. Billie Eilish. Uh, yes. <laughs> like, thank you. <laughs> they produce that out of their home, right? And it's like, and I'm thinking, God, come on, you know? So why do you think, and I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah. Why do you think the book industry is kind of dragging its heels and 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 like like isn't the writing on the wall you know or is it they're, they're too far in to think about changing their approach you know and then maybe I'm just thinking out loud here maybe okay then don't don't change their approach I mean because seriously I'm I think the indies are we're gaining we're we're gaining. I don't want to say we're bringing the storm, but we're, we're gaining, we're on, oh God, I got to get to Maui. We're on that mm -hmm. surfboard and we're riding that wave. Yeah. Do you, do you feel? Yeah, I feel the same. And I think I, my perspective is that I think there's enough room in the sandbox for everybody. Um, yeah. And I'm sure like, I'm not embedded in the music scene, but I'm sure that there are some dinosaurs and um, in the music industry as well that kind of lift their nose at somebody who can produce an album in their basement, for example. But um, I think the progressive thinkers, the people who understand that you don't need to have um, a huge organization behind you or, or like a, you know, a really old organization about, behind you to have success. They're the ones who like, they're the ones who are experiencing the success. Um, when it comes to what's happening in the trade business, I genuinely think they're, um, you know, I think they're doing their best, but I think that they're, um, they're a very big machine. And, or to, you know, if you've ever tried to see a cruise ship turn, it takes a really <laughs> long time <laughs> and you need a lot of space. And you need a lot of like skill and expertise to be able to turn that boat. And it's, it's a big, big turn. And it takes, it's a lot of energy to do that. Whereas um, indie authors have a lot more space to, you know, whip around in circles and change course. And I think there's enough space for everyone where, um, where I think the trades will maintain mm -hmm. their value for everyone in the industry is they really set a standard. Um, yeah. for what quality is and if we don't and that is something that I wouldn't want them to change is that yeah. the tra mm -hmm. trades kind of set the pace for what is good what is being read and you know if they just started slapping books together and calling it like a bestseller then 
that, you know, then there, that, that kind of hurts the industry. So I'm okay to have that cruise ship, you know, giving us a little bit of a wake to go on, but, um, yeah. and, but I'm okay to be able to like turn and surf the waves to use your analogy off of that wake a little bit differently. <laughs> so. Yeah. So they can have the cruise ship. I'm going on the surfboard. <laughs> I'll just tuck in right behind you and enjoy like the smooth sail. Thanks guys. <laughs> Oh, I, I always enjoyed our conversations, Megan. <laughs> so the self-publishing agency has supported the Children's Wish Foundation. And I was wondering if you could tell us what that was about. Yeah, uh, uh, the Children's Wish Foundation, the BC Cancer Foundation. And um, before COVID, we were going down to support the cancer organization out of California and we have one um, one arm of our business is the 50 page memoir and that is where a ghostwriter writes your loved one's story after in, you know they have a couple of months worth of interviews and they go away and write your loved one's story and we package it up into just a personal family heirloom for them and uh, we've donated that to very we pick a charity every year to donate one of those packages to so somebody in need or a family who could benefit from having their loved one's story written um it can double as not only a sort of a legacy piece for a family but also raise some money for charity and i think I've got to remember now but i think we raised about $12,000 for the children's wish gala so um, anytime that we're able to combine our love of writing and books with um, something that, you know, means a lot to both our organization and other families, we're having a good day. So. Good, good, good. Congratulations. Hey, I love um, raising money for other people. <laughs> <laughs> so your award-winning novel. Your novel, your, I shouldn't say novel, um, memoir. memoir. Yeah. yeah. Our Interrupted Fairy Tale and the two children's books that you and your daughter wrote. Um, well, first, I understand the, your, your memoir, Our Interrupted Fairy Tale, was a finalist in the Whistler's Independent Book Awards. Mm-hmm. And you've published two children's books with your daughter. Yeah. You're setting a great example, role model for your daughter. It, oh, it, thank it, you. It, it, was that was that the? I don't want to say if that was the purpose because that's you know that's more uh, mother daughter love of a project. How like, that's, <laughs> that was that's an amazing that, project. Well, the the project actually. Well, thank you for saying that. But it actually was less. It was all less of with the intent of role modeling anything, and more in the like pursuit the pursuit and the enabling of a dream really um we were driving one day and maddie said that she she was seven or eight at the time i think and she suggested that um that we write robert munch with a story idea that she had and you know that sounded like a pretty great idea and i loved the initiative but then I was like, well, why don't we actually write that book? Why don't we write the story ourselves? There's no reason that we should tell someone else to write this book. Why don't we write it ourselves? So mm-hmm. we set out to do that. Like I put a little plan together for us that was manageable. And she and I sat down and wrote 
don't know, every weekend for an hour or two, mostly motivated by some kind of baked or pastry good down at the coffee shop down the street from us. And ultimately, we just did the same thing as we do with our authors. We kind of, we assembled an illustrator, Catherine John. She was able to work with Maddie and take what Maddie was describing in her head and put it down onto the page. But in terms of like our experience isn't a whole lot different than any other author's dream. It's the idea is like, can we, it's just enabling and helping bring a dream to life. We, a big word that's really trendy as I'm sure everyone hears online right now is like everyone manifestation is a huge conversation and it's a huge industry right now where spirituality and manif manifesting your life and your dreams and the things that you want. I mean, as we said at the start of this conversation, with 300 authors under our belt, we're looking at like, that's a lot of manifesting an idea as you've had. You had an idea for your book and you manifested into like an, uh, an award finalist book, right? Yeah. yeah. So it, 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 it's all possible whether you're nine or whether you're, you know, 59. Um, yeah. with the right uh, with the right kind of direction and the right plans in place you can have a book in your hands and you can literally hold your dream in your hands for some people that's right yeah and your creativity oh yeah your creativity on paper so what is a one takeaway would you would have for a new writer who has a manuscript and wants to get it published what, what I would, one thing you would say to them? I would say, do like, don't you dare put that book, like, don't leave it on a hard drive and don't leave it in a drawer. There is zero reason. So in other words, don't do what Joanna did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't you dare let that book sit for seven years in a drawer. Because because yeah. the question and unless there's some reason that you are deciding not to unless there's like a private personal issue with sharing what you've written it really is like if it's just fear or if it's just nerves or at the very worst it's just not knowing how to make your book a reality there's people like us out here that can make that book a reality for you and it can be done in as, as fast as a year um yeah so my my advice is to like don't sit on your story don't be <laughs> this might sound harsh but don't be so selfish to sit on your okay. words and your story that you're going to hold that back from the rest of the world because you don't know what to do with it because we know yeah. what to do with it but don't you hold that to yourself unless there's a privacy concern. Don't let fear yeah. deprive the rest of us from a really good book. Or um, I think it was for me just fatigue, fatigue of trying mm. to break. I, I, yeah. And I was doing personal training and it was just, I'm, I was tired. Oh, then so, that's yeah. why you hire us to be your battery pack. <laughs> <laughs> so what vision do you have what what further vision do you have for the self-publishing agency um I thanks for asking Joe I think well 
our whole vision is just to help as many authors as possible, but to really set the standard for professionally published titles in the indie world. That's, um, yeah. that's what we are doing. And that's what I see us continuing to do. I would obviously like to see a bunch more of our titles move over to screenplay and then made into movies. That would be, that's a fun, that's a fun side project for us. But really, um, it's maintaining um, an industry standard for authors that um, where we can just sort of, I, I would never want to hear the words whispered vanity publishing ever again, if I could, if I could help it. So every publication that we help, every author that we help, we are hoping that authors are not only getting their work professionally done where people are holding this book being like, wow, you really did this, hey? But also that authors are um, are making money. There's no reason that yeah. they can't be. Our authors are, but is we're really just trying to raise the bar. If trade authors can make money, we want indie authors to make money. So we just want everybody, we're just raising the bar on what, um, what the expectation is of indie authors. Good. So Megan, Wrapping this up, is there anything you would like to add? And, and where can our listeners find you on the oh, socials? Just everywhere, just everywhere at the self-publishing agency. So we kept it nice and simple. Um, yeah, and my, um, I don't really have anything else to add except just I hope I have, you know, shed some light into this corner of the industry and as you do all of the time, Joe, but also if there's any encouragement or light bulbs that turned on for you give us a call like we'd love to have a conversation with anybody who wants to talk about publishing their book and um you know we've heard it all so there's nothing to be embarrassed about but i can promise you that the first time that you call us um that wheel turns for the first time and you finally get some traction so yeah and thank you megan really um personally thank you um i know i i yeah, I know there was a there was a, a small well there was a period in my life when I was going through a rough time, and your team was so understanding and professional, and I I really wanted to thank you for that. And um, like I said, I am so proud to say that my novel is a Canadian Book Awards finalist. And thank you for coming on my podcast. Joe, look at what you've done. You you like you've published a book, and now you've parlayed that into a podcast. So the the feeling of pride is entirely mutual. And look at like look at all the things. Look at all the cool conversations you're bringing into the world because of this. So congratulations to you as well. Okay. Well, thanks. <laughs> okay. Well, you have a fantastic 2021. Yeah. Here's to uh, a lot more book sales in 2021. Hey. All right. Talk to you soon, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Bye-bye.